15 steps from the threshold of the meanwhile's open door to the stool at the end of the bar. This I have mastered. Muggs made sure that stool would remain available, I'm told, by fashioning a sign which hung above the seat from a length of rope tied around an exposed pipe in the ceiling. The sign reads, Reserved for an asshole. A class act, Muggs Lusky. If he hasn't changed since I went blind about a month ago, I'd bet he's watching me out of the corner of his eye as I approach, doing so while drying a glass and conversing with another bar patron. He's got a pencil behind his ear. His reading glasses perched way up on his bald dome, and he's down at the other end of the bar, based on how far away his voice is. What he looks like as he eventually walks toward me is a side of beef carved into the shape of a squat billy club, thick up top with a barrel neck and tree trunks for arms, probably encased in a shirt worn a lot more loosely than I would if that much solid meat graced my limbs. He's half Irish, half Italian, and exactly as chatty as a good bartender should be. I looped the wrist strap of my fuckstick over the hook in the wall, a hook that had magically appeared the second time I came into the meanwhile with my new, muchly despised tool. Left arm straight out, nine o'clock, is all Mug said, and I instinctively reached out and felt the hook. Took about five seconds to compute. I hung the stick up and Muggs never said another word about it. That story is probably the best way to describe my relationship with Muggs Lusky. Carla is right behind me, bustling in with the sounds of outside traffic and the smell of her vanilla hand lotion, both of which reached me before the rest of her and whatever she was toting. I heard her drag a stool to the corner of the bar nearest me. I brought the laptop because you are no good to me after 9 p.m., so we might as well go through some of this crap from the office while you're priming the pump for later. Carla, I shouldn't have to deal with you after 9 p.m., since my workday generally ends around happy hour. Last I checked, we're not cohabitating. It should also be noted that you have a newly acquired apartment just across the hall from mine, yet you're not making much effort to become one with your new space. In fact... I wasn't going to mention it, but my living space was just this morning going on and on about how it was starting to feel slightly overwhelmed by your presence. I seem to recall the phrase as oppressive as a mohair turtleneck in 90 degree heat. Mug's laughter is mostly silent, but when his chest moves up and down and his head bobs in time with his shoulders, that's an indication he's enjoying something. I'm sure those shoulders are bobbing right now, but again, I have no facts to back this up because I'm fucking blind. Morno, you can tell your living space to stuff it. Carla was going to explode soon. I could feel her twitchy aura straining to get out. When she raked in a deep breath, it took all the restraint I had left in me to not backhand her. I wanted to knock the hairball of salty phrases currently lodged in the back of her throat right out of there. Mark my words, folks. 
That hairball yearns to be free. Stuff it, huh? That's all you got? I took a long pull off the Dortmunder. Mug slid in front of me. It went down so smooth, I decided to poke at the hairball. You know, Carla, your entertainment value has plummeted since I lost my eyesight due to the series of unfortunate events that led to your previous life pile-driving headfirst into mine and shattering any hope of serenity in my old age. You used to make me laugh. Now you're just irritating. I actually heard her wince, like the molecules of air around her shuddered in unison. Muggs must have seen it brewing because he groaned quietly, right before she blew. Listen to me, you walking fucking distillery. I might have started this motherfucking ball rolling, but if there's even one fucking idiotic molecule in your pathetic excuse for a husk that has the audacity to think that I have done anything less than bring a breath of fresh air into this shitty abyss that you call a life, please let me know so I can shove my fist into that sorry excuse for a word hole in your face and rip out your withered amygdala. I'm the only goddamn ray of sunshine in this desolate wasteland you call a life. And if you haven't figured out how lucky you are to have me by now, you son of a- There she blows! I was afraid she'd get stuck like that until every nasty word she had stifled came cascading out. In one long tick, we'd both have to endure through to its inevitable conclusion. Which would likely be when she passed out due to lack of oxygen. We don't have time for that shit. According to her last update, we have seven outstanding court summits to serve, and we need to figure out how a blind guy and his secretary are going to accomplish all that when, even under normal circumstances, these things rarely go according to plan. There's nothing more humbling than being called an asshole a few extra times each week just so you can keep the ledger in the black. And another thing, I have had it up to fucking here with your constant- Free at last! I shook my fists at the blackness above me. Free at last! Thank God almighty, Muggs added. I noted the sound of his smile, solid, built on relief. Muggs likes Carla the way you enjoy a new puppy. Sure, it pisses on the rug more than you'd like, but you can't help rooting for a little bugger who ceaselessly chases its own tail. Also, since I'm usually the rug in question, Muggs gets the added benefit of her general effect on my temperament. God, I hate you, Morno. Welcome back, sunshine. Now, let's talk about that file Lash gave you. The one that's supposed to bring me up to speed on the Sandoval investigation. But for some reason, I have not yet received. Back at the office. We need to discuss a game plan for tomorrow. We've got five sets of documents to serve. I managed to get rid of two by relying on the kindness of strangers making the appropriate choice to man up and take their damn medicine. I sent all seven outstanding summons and their corresponding complaints by registered mail with return receipt requested. But only in two cases did they return the signed receipt. Assholes. Well, that's great for the two we can check off the list. Nice work. Do I smell a butt in there somewhere, Morno? No, it's fine. During my absence, you've made some executive decisions. I applaud your effort. 
The sound of mugs setting what sounded like another gutbuster on the bar in front of Carla suggested she was becoming even less amenable to my aroma, metaphorically speaking. I continued at my peril. One suggestion, though. Sometimes, sending the paperwork by mail tips off our guys. You know the ones predisposed to being elusive. I have no way of knowing if any of these people are such types. Only that, if they are, mailing the documents just put them on notice. Just spit it out, Morneau. I'm getting really close to premenopause, a condition from which, I'm guessing, many a death has resulted. Carla, when your lady juices dry up, you don't need to crawl in a hole and die. They prescribe stuff for that now. <laughs> this time I heard Muggs chuckle in earnest before shuffling further down the bar out of the splash zone. I wasn't sure if what came next would assume the form of liquid or a solid connection with my jaw. I wasn't referring to suicide. I was referring to homicide. Yours, specifically. So if you can see fit to give me the abridged version of how Carla fucked up today, we can move on to the productivity portion of our meeting, thereby reserving more time on the ass end of this shitty day for the opening ceremonies of your liver Olympics. You worry too much about my liver. Hey, Mugs. I held up my empty beer bottle. Your Honor, I rest my case. During the ensuing quiet, aside from the sporadic din of voices, I'd managed to number at four or five other patrons. I realized there was a kind of music to her typing. The pads of her fingers dancing across the keyboard clicked lightly in place, like the introductory notes of a symphony. Sometime after Muggs brought my second beer and I took a sip, I realized all those notes did not equal pulling up a to-do list. What are you doing? It was disconcerting being forced to request information that I could normally ascertain without the help of someone else. Nothing. I'm just sending a short email. Lots of words for a short email. I was prepared to let it go, but when she sniffed, that was it. Damn it, woman. Why are you crying? Who are you emailing? My mom, all right? The Native American guy at the convenience store gave me his email so I could get in contact with her if I needed to. By way of backstory, Carla's mother is schizophrenic and resides with a nice fellow named Mel in a cave. Yes, you heard that right. A 20,000 square foot hole in a sandstone mine located in Festus, Missouri. She and her mother have a history that's precluded any sort of viable relationship, but we'd recently visited, so maybe Carla was thinking about that. Since the cave has no phone or computer access, Carla's mother picks up mail and supplies from the nearest convenience store. One owned and operated by a friendly native who sells medical marijuana. Not that it's pertinent to anything except fond memory at this point, but that man had one of the most pleasant auras I've ever seen. I asked Carla if she was thinking about going back for another visit. Hell no. I just 
need some information for my medical history. What's wrong? You sick? No, Morno, I'm not sick. Unless tiptoeing up to menopause is considered sick, which I think there's actually a fair amount of research to support. I am so sick of feeling moody all the time and forgetting why I walked into a room three seconds after I entered it. Sick of my period taking leave of absence for months at a time and then showing up again, unfucking bidden And sick of the unbearable sadness that settles in suddenly for no apparent reason a couple days every month, like a hundred pound blanket of motherfucking doom. How old are you? 45, right? That's young. You're probably not menopausal, Carla. You're just real heavy furniture. I could see how you'd confuse the two, though. I took a long swig, emptying beer, too. Because Muggs is efficient, he was already heading over with another. Having caught my last statement, he set it down and wisely shuffled away. I'm 44. And perimenopause can start in your 40s, and that's what I need to know from my mom. My gynecologist wanted to know her history because Carla, I- it's safe to assume that once the word gynecologist enters the discussion, we veered into territory I have no interest in being. The clicking instantly resumed, and I can now speak with some authority as to the sound of passive aggression. What it sounds like is a pissed-off woman typing on a laptop. I made a list based on location and convenience. We've got five stops tomorrow, and I've got the stack of documents back at the office ready to go. Two sets of divorce papers, the asshole dog beater, wage garnishment papers for a man who defaulted on a student loan, and a notice of eviction. If past memory serves and Newton's law prevails, I predict only the asshole dog beater and the eviction are going to be an issue. Okay, tell me why. I foraged in my pocket for a cigar, gnawing on the end since I couldn't smoke inside the bar. Another thing Carla had been harping on me about. If you're taking notes, add smoking to the list of Morno's vices according to Carla, which includes, but is not limited to, most of what I put in my mouth and my general disposition. Well, the asshole dog beater lives in a gross neighborhood. I did a drive-by the other day. He was sitting outside his lean-to, and that is being generous, with a kiddie pool full of Pap's Blue Ribbon, while three dirty children who, in my opinion, were not dressed appropriately for 30-degree weather, appeared to be applying ketchup to the inside of his mailbox by way of a turkey baster. At least I hope it was ketchup. So I don't see that going well. And with the eviction, that defendant just got off house arrest, and that summons, sent by certified mail came back with return to sender, go fuck yourself, written in red crayon across the envelope. So, that was probably self-explanatory. Sounds like you've got it all covered. Now, when do I get Lash's report? Sergeant Lash, my old boss, was newly retired to somewhere dry and warm, but back in and out of town over the last month, helping tie up some loose ends with the Mercedes Sandoval case. Loose ends that could easily come back to bite Carla and me in the ass, if we aren't careful. The Latina lawyer, once business partner to Carla's ex, hadn't been happy about learning we'd stumbled upon proof of her part in the extortion.
Just let's get all the documents served and you can have it tomorrow, Morneau. Once upon a time, Carla had a husband, and they did all the fun stuff people do, which eventually results in a kid. But then Carla and husband got divorced. As 49% of American couples are wont to do once they get bored, distracted, or homicidal. Eventually, Carla remarried one Lorenzo Sandoval. Carla and kid live happily ever after with the extorting bastard until Carla catches wind of the shenanigans and calls him on it. Rios, who Carla later learned only married her for her connection to Mark Carringer, the third business partner, goes off his nut and kills Carla's child in a fit of rage that resulted in some of the most horrifying crime scene photos I've ever had the misfortune to lay eyes upon. Child-killing psychopath goes on the lamb, eventually hiding in the Florida Everglades, while Carla changes her name from Lucy Rios to Carla Danning and makes another life in Michigan. Here's where I come in. She begins stalking the author of a series of crime novels that had been her only distraction in the months following the death of her child. Somehow, Carla ingratiates herself enough to become the assistant and all-around ass-chapping presence in said detective-slash-author's life. Yada, yada, yada. We track down Sandoval and feed him to the fishes. Actually, it was an alligator. One that had previously spent some quality time chained to the wall of a shack that Carla and detective-slash-author were deposited in after being kidnapped by some goons sent by the ex. By way of bringing this sad little train into the station, although I now fear I've given you all the ammunition you need to be way more sympathetic to Carla Danning than she deserves, the extortion had to do with government contracts. FEMA, to be precise. Right now, Carla and I have access to all the paperwork necessary to prove Mercedes Sandoval was up to her pretty little titties in the muck. Unfortunately, she isn't the type to let loose ends like that go untied. So that's where we are. That's why I need the Sandoval file. Remind me later to tell you about the Osceola Hotel, Carla's newest acquisition. We won't mention with what proceeds she purchased said dilapidated old building, located two hours outside Detroit, in a little spot on the map called Reed City, also known as the hometown of our recently deceased neighbor, Trudy. I guess we'll probably have to talk about Trudy at some point, too. 